Welcome. I hope you've been blessed this morning so far. Thank you, worship team. My name is Ruben. I am one of the deacons here at Calvary. I'm uh, substituting for David. David's uh, on his way back, actually, from Fort Worth, or actually Kansas, where he was with his children. He was able to be there for a week. I hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving, okay? How many of you all, just show of hands, had, uh, raise your hand if you had one day off during this week, okay? Put them down. Raise your hand if you had two days off this week. Uh, my buddy David that's, that's retired over there, he's raising his hand a lot. <laughs> all right, raise your hand if you had the whole week off. Woo, all right, lucky you. I had the whole week off too. I was still running around um, different places trying to get things done of the time when I am working, right? Trying to get some things done. Uh, but I'm so glad you're here. Hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Really quick, I want to show you a couple of pictures of my Thanksgiving. Maybe it was like yours. Um, so we could put that, that first picture right there. That's at my sister Elena's house in Edinburgh. And as you can see, that's a packed house. Um, how many of you all raise your hand if you had more than 10 people at your house? Ooh, okay. That's how we do it here, uh, RGV style, right? 956, we packed the house and we did have turkey. I know sometimes here in the, in the 956, we like to have like smoked brisket or fajitas or poito asado, right? Some, uh, but no, we had, we had turkey. There's a selfie with me, my wife on the left, and two of my sisters. And you could see the assembly line there, everybody getting ready to eat there. My mom on the left right there, and my mother-in-law on the right. Both of them are widows. They've been widowed for just a little over 10 years. And Thanksgiving wouldn't be the same without the pilgrims there, right? So um, this is the little pilgrim right there that he's, uh, he's one of my, my niece's uh, sons. And then this is just the family that was able to be here, <laughs> that lives here. There's still a lot of people missing, believe it or not. But these are the people that were able to be there. Um, so I just had such a great time there. Uh, of course, the desserts. Okay, I'm going to do one more thing. I'm going to ask for your participation. Raise your hand if you're a pumpkin pie person, if you like pumpkin pie. Ooh, okay, that's your favorite. Okay, put your hands down. Raise your hand. If, hey, wait, 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 let's go back to the pies up there. Oh, there we go. Raise your hand if you're a pecan pie. Yeah. Ooh. All right, that's your favorite. Um, I think uh, there is a cherry pie there too. Raise your hand if you, your favorite is cherry pie. Oh, not a lot of cherries, all right. Good. Well, and is, did I put the picture up there of the image of of me standing up there with the, uh, okay, I don't think I put it on there. We had a good time playing a ring toss. Um, I don't know if y'all have ever played that game. Uh, turns out I'm really good at it. I didn't, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't know I was, but I was the 2023 Thanksgiving ring toss champion of the world. <laughs> I, I thought I had put the picture up there, but it's not up there. And so I got to beat, I beat little kids. Yes, I'm ashamed to say I beat little kids. I beat adults. Um, I beat my nieces. I, I beat everyone, but it was friendly. It was, it, there was no trophy or any compensation after that. But I think just a piece of pie, that was it. 
So I had a great time. Hope you all had a good time too. This week I'm going to be concluding the sermon series called Thrive. And this is, uh, we've been four weeks in, into this uh, series. Last week, Pastor David talked about the life-giving joy of the mission. This week, I'll be talking about the enduring hope of salvation. And so before we get going, um, if you're able to, I'm going to ask if you can stand for the reading of God's word. And today, we're really going to be focused on uh, verse 3 and verse 4. But I'm going to go ahead and read the whole verses or verses up to verse 9 so you can kind of get some context, okay? 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you and through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all of this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief of all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even through refined fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you may not have seen him, you love him. And even though you did not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your salvation, the salvation of your souls. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Lord, may your word that is written for our instruction be an encouragement for us today so that through suffering we may run the race that you have set before each one of us with endurance. And that so in this life we may experience a living hope a hope that is for today and a hope for eternity. And we pray that um, you would speak to us now through your word. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. When was the last time that you experienced suffering? How long did it last? Was it weeks, months, years? And what was your response? What sustained you during this time? Or are you still trying to find recovery from this time of trial and suffering? Now in this passage that we just read, 1 Peter 3 through 9, we can see that the apostle Peter is speaking to a region of Christians that's, that are actually going through a lot of persecution and they're experiencing suffering. If, if you actually look at verse six that we just read, it says that though now for a little while, while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. So Peter is writing this letter to encourage God's people. And I pray that this morning, this word would be an encouragement for you. 
Today we're going to unpack three things in these verses. The first one is going to be, in the midst of suffering, Peter will remind God's people of a new birth that they've been given. So he starts off in this suffering. He wants to remind them about a new birth and a new life that's been given to them. Number two, we'll look at how their salvation and new life in Christ gives them hope for today, which is a living hope. And that living hope is what sustains their life in the present. And number three, we'll look at the hope of our salvation we have in Christ, not just is, is hope for today, but also secures our future. So I'm gonna ask if we can go back to 1 Peter um, verse one, I'm sorry, 1 Peter one, verse three, and it says, praise be to the God of the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that in his great mercy, he has given us a new birth. And I wanna park there for a minute because we probably have heard the word new birth or born again uh, several times in our life. Um, I remember growing up, I heard that phrase a lot. I'm a churchy, I grew up in church. Um, I always didn't act like I grew up in church, but I grew up in church. I was blessed to be around godly parents that raised me and instilled godly values and truth into me. Um, but this passage says that in his great mercy, you've been given a new birth. Now, what is that new birth? You know, when I was a kid, I used to remember also hearing the phrase new birth by an evangelist named Billy Graham. How many of you, just raise your hand if you've heard that name before, Billy Graham. Okay, cool. You can put your hands down. If you've never heard that name, Billy Graham is just an evangelist which means he's somebody who proclaims the, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he was around for many years. And that, this was one of the terms he said a lot, especially towards the end of, of his sermon. He would say that a man must be born again to see the kingdom of God. It was the phrase that almost he said regularly at every point of his message. Now, this isn't a, a, a term that was coined by Billy Graham actually goes so much further back. In fact, Jesus is the one that first used this term that says in John chapter three, verse three, where he says, verily, verily, or very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. And Jesus is not speaking about a physical birth. He's speaking about a spiritual birth. And that is a birth that all of us must, must go through if you want to see the kingdom of God, because this is what he says. He tells uh, uh, in this passage, actually, to kind of give you some context, he's talking to a very religious leader here, a Pharisee, and, he, and this religious leader doesn't really get it. He tells Jesus, what do you mean? I got to be born again. What does that look like? Do I got to, like a physical birth? I got to, you know, go back into my mother's womb. And he literally says, that. I got to go back into my mother's womb and be born. And Jesus says, no, then you must be born again of spirit and of water. And, uh, but he's, Jesus is right here speaking specifically about a spiritual birth. The new birth is something that Jesus said we must experience if we want to see the kingdom of God. And we see this phrase about new birth, new life over and over again in the New Testament. For example, in Romans 6, you hear... Uh, Romans 6 says, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin 
and alive to God. So you see this death that needs to happen? That's not a physical death. It's a spiritual death. And then in 1 John, we, we read, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Everyone who believes. 2 Corinthians 5 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So we hear new creation, new birth, new life. The old has passed away, new has come. And the new birth is a result of salvation, whereby a person confesses before God that they're a sinner. This is where new birth comes from. It's a result of salvation, where a person confesses that they're a sinner. Upon confession of their sin, a person believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that on the cross, he died a substitutionary death on your behalf by taking your sin upon himself. I love this part here. And at the cross, he purchases you. He ransoms you at the price of his own life. He secures your deliverance from the bondage and condemnation of sin. That person has passed from death to life. You know, the Bible says that once before you knew God, that you were called children of God's wrath. But it says now you've been called sons and daughters of God. Can I get an amen just to hear, see that you all are there? Amen. amen. All right. Why do we need to be born again? Let me ask you this question. Why, why did Jesus say, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God? Well, number one, because Jesus said, he said, you, you, you can't. You can't see the kingdom of God without being born again. And, and we can go, we don't have time to, to do that today, but we can see over and over again where Jesus say, you must deny yourself. You must deny yourself to follow me. You must carry your cross, meaning you must die to self to follow me. And over and over, the, the Christian life is about denying yourself, your own thoughts, your own wisdom to follow Christ, which is part of being born again. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, here's why it's important for us to be born again, because the Bible says here that Christ, because of all mankind, Christ without, a man without Christ is dead in our transgresses and in our sins. Romans 5 says that, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all mankind. All sinned. I know we could, we, we, we could, if we reflect all the way back, we say, thank, thank you, Adam. You know, because his sin, all humanity was contaminated by sin. Every human being in the world exists in one of two categories. Either you're spiritually dead or spiritually alive. Religion cannot make a dead man alive. Good works, effort, and tradition cannot absolve you from your sin. Only Jesus Christ can redeem, can ransom and pay the price for your sin. Only Jesus can forgive you. Only he can make you a brand new person by transforming you from the inside out. So how can one be born again or experience this new birth? You can't be born again by your own doing. Just like you didn't have any part in your physical birth, 
You don't have your own part in a spiritual birth. It is a work of God. It is a work of the Holy Spirit convicting and drawing you to want to look at the Savior and want to look at God. It's interesting because I think of birth, my daughter right now, she's actually doing some training to be a doula. And so we talk about births and things like that. I have three girls, so I hear about girl stuff all the time, right? Um, One of them that I hear a lot of the conversation is about uh, birthing. And um, so my daughter talks about, um, you know, the baby and how the baby comes. And and, uh, I don't mind talking about that as long as it's not around dinner time, right? You know, we can... We can be uh, having good conversation and she tells us the things that she's learning. Um, but no baby has the, the ability to help, <laughs> help the mother inside the womb and say, okay, mom, I'm coming. Okay, I'm gonna help you out. No, the, the, the baby has no way to help that birth to happen. In fact, sometimes some births don't go well and need assistance, right? But in this situation, the spiritual birth, there's nothing you can do either to acquire it. I want you to read with me Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says, for it is by grace that you've been saved. Talking about salvation. For it's by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourself. It is a gift of God. Not by works. So that you can boast Meaning, hey, I did this, I received this, I was able to attain my salvation, that you can boast and say, hey, look what I did, here's what I was able to do, this is what I was able to read, this is what I was able to to learn, and somehow I was able to attain God. No, scripture is clear, it says that this is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. And it is by grace alone If we can define grace, we would say that it's undeserved, unmerited favor from God. He gives you his grace through faith in him. Only those who have received the free gift of salvation from God by grace alone, through faith alone and through Christ alone can experience this new birth. If you're here today and this is all new to you and you're you're thinking like, Reuben, I'm hearing what you're saying. Um, but you've never experienced God's love and forgiveness, you can come to him today just as you are. You don't need to go and get washed and, and go read the whole Bible. In fact, many times when Jesus called his disciples, he called them right where they were. Many of them were in their sin. And he said, hey, you come follow me. And Jesus wants to call you too. So you can, for, you can experience his forgiveness. He wants you to, he wants to give you a new start, a new birth, but you must come to him. In fact, Jesus said, whoever comes to me, I will in no means cast out. The new birth we experience as a result of salvation, again, it's not of good works, It's not of our works, our own good deeds, our own performance. It's a gift of God. You can't earn it. You can't inherit it from your parents or your family. It is free to all who receive it. 
John 1, 12, 13 says that to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who were born, listen to this, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So here it is, guys. The good news of God is that Jesus Christ saves sinners. This is the gospel message that Jesus came to proclaim. Right now we're about to get into this, uh, this season of Advent. You know, the Oakleys came and they, they, uh, they lit the, the candle that we're going into a season of Advent of Christmas time. And this is the message that Jesus came to proclaim. He said, repent and believe. Oftentimes, you know, we think of this message of the gospel that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. We often just think of this message as it only being for lost people. Especially in the church today, we don't talk a lot about new birth or being born again because we think, that, oh, that's for those people over there. Or those are for those people that don't know God. Or those are for, for those that are in deep sin, right? And we don't talk much about the gospel message but if you're a Christian, I want to tell you today that you must never forget the message of the cross where Jesus took your sin upon himself and he willingly laid down his life on your behalf so that you can experience God's forgiveness, mercy, and grace. You must never forget how you once walked in darkness and now you've been called into his marvelous light. You must never forget how you were once dead in your sin and in your trespasses, but now God has made you alive in Christ. Listen to this song. I love this song. It's one of my favorite. Maybe this is your story here. It says that he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, he set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand, firm foundation. He put a new song in my mouth. Now you and I are constantly prone to forget the good news of the gospel. We're prone to forget who God is, and what he has done for us. I wanna tell you that the gospel message that Jesus has come to save Sinners like you and me is something that we can never forget. You know, if we're not careful during this season, we can get so wrapped up in trying to find the best give. We can get so wrapped up with, with um, trying to have the best party, going to all the parties and making everybody happy and pleased. And if we're not careful, we'll, we'll, this season will go right by us and we won't be able to reflect in what Jesus his mission was to come and to die. Have you ever asked yourself why God, why did God save you? Why you? I'm nothing special. I don't deserve this, Reuben. You know, if you've, you've, you've known where I've been, you know what I've done, you know the mistakes that I've made, the people that I've hurt. I've done some things that are so shameful. I want you to look at 1 Peter 3.3. 3. Here it says that because of his great mercy. 
Mercy is God extending forgiveness, withholding his punishment by giving you his son to pay for your sin. Listen to this powerful verse here. Ephesians 2, 7 says that in order that in the coming ages, because he saved you from his mercy, that in the coming ages, he might show his uncomparable riches of grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. That in the coming ages, you would be able to experience the comparable riches of his grace. Ephesians 2, 4 says that because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you've been saved. Titus 3, 5 says that he saved us not because of righteous things that we were able to do, but because of his mercy. You and I cannot forget where we've come from. You and I can't forget what we've been through and what we've been through and what we've been saved from. God's grace doesn't just forgive us, but it also frees us from the burden of guilt. You don't have to walk with guilt and shame associated with our past. In fact, my first point here today is that God's saving grace over our lives redeems our past. It redeems our past because of his great mercy towards us. He's given us a new birth, a new start. Through genuine repentance and faith in Christ, our sins can also be forgiven. This is something to shout about during this season. This is something to dance about that God in his mercy has pardoned you. He's pardoned you from your sin and he's given you a new life in Christ. This is not something that you were able to do on your own. That because of his great mercy towards you, he was able to extend that to you so that you may have life. I love what Vody Bauckham says. Um, Vody Bauckham is a preacher and he says that some people don't like remembering where they've been in their past because before they knew Christ and experienced his mercy and grace. They think that they can bury their past and never remember it again for many times it brings back painful memories of pain and hurt. I don't know each and every one of you in here. I don't know what you've been through in your past. I don't know what you've experienced. Um, I think sometimes by nature, we wanna forget the painful things that we've experienced in life because they're painful, they hurt. Nobody likes to remember um, how we were let down, how we were hurt. The pain that came from that. I love what Vody says here, he says, I don't know about you, but I don't want to forget my sins. He says that if, if you could forget your sin, you could never testify of the goodness of God and what he has done for you. If you were able to forget your sin, you could never testify of the goodness of God and how he brought you from darkness into life. Number two, he says that if you couldn't remember your sin, we couldn't be warned against doing it again. Sometimes God puts those Images back into our mind to help us to remember, man, I remember that painful place that I once was, but I never want to go do that again because of what pain that brought me. Number three, I love this. He, he says that if you couldn't remember your sin, you wouldn't be able to rejoice in your victories. 
If you couldn't remember your sin, you wouldn't be able to rejoice in your victory. So I want to tell you today, I want to challenge you. Don't forget your past. Don't forget how God has called you to himself. Let it be a source of rejoicing over how he's called you and made you new to walk in newness. And then now today you're able to rejoice in the victory that you have now have through Jesus Christ, our Lord. When we remember where God has brought us out of, we're encouraged with great hope that if God rescued us from the power of sin and death, that he gave us new life in his son, that he could surely sustain us today in the present. If he brought you from death to life, he can surely sustain you today. His grace and forgiveness isn't just to redeem our past, but his grace and forgiveness also sustains us today. We don't have to live in guilt from the past. We can live today with assurance in the promises of God in his word that Jesus Christ can give us hope for today. First Peter 3.3 says, I told you we we're gonna be there for a while. He has given us new birth into a living, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, a living hope. Now it's not hope like, hope that we hear sometimes when we say uh, a feeling of expectation or a desire for a certain thing to happen like, um, man, I hope I pass this test or um, I hope I don't get a ticket. Um, I hope I get this job. Sometimes that kind of hope is kind of wishful thinking, right? Kind of hope. That's not what biblical hope is. That's not the hope that Peter is talking about here, that you've been given a living hope. This living hope that Peter's talking about, it's a confident assurance of what will happen or take place. It's a confident assurance of what will take place. So let me ask you this uncomfortable question really quick here. Can you have hope even in trial and suffering? Is it possible? For many, suffering is a reason to turn away from God, turn from him, who in their eyes didn't prevent, God somehow didn't prevent their suffering. The only way to find hope in the face of trial or suffering is to turn to God. The New Testament repeatedly, if you read God's word, the New Testament, you just split kind of the Bible in half and go to the right side. A lot of, uh, starting in Matthew, that's the New Testament right there. You see, if you start reading through that, you, you'll start to see many places where um, the new uh, hope is found. And it's typically, many times when you go through those passages, a lot of the times the hope is in the midst of suffering. Look at verse 6 of First Peter. Peter is telling these, the people that though now you are for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief of all kinds of trials. Some of these people were experiencing strong persecution and suffering because of their faith. I want to tell you this. There's no way to get through life unless you know how to get through suffering. One more time, there's no way to get through this life unless you know how to get through suffering. There's no way to get through suffering unless you have a living hope. 
unless you have a living hope. What your ultimate future hope is will completely determine how you live today. If you are living with no hope, it's definitely going to affect how you live right now, today. How you respond to life, how you respond to illness, how you respond to loss, how you respond to when someone lets you down. You cannot make any finite object, any goal or success, you can't make that your ultimate hope. You know, right now, there's so many people that are, that are buzzing because next year is an election year, right? 2024, and there's people that are buzzing, um, really pushing for their candidate because they somehow believe that this candidate or this political figure is going to somehow give them uh, a hope that they desire, hope for the country, change for the country. Uh, let me just tell you, if you're putting your hope in these things and, and, and in a political figure, you are going to be let down. may leave you empty or unsatisfied. And at some point in your life, you will experience suffering and none of these things that you put your hope in will be able to sustain you. People cannot survive long without hope. Hope keeps our faith going even through painful circumstances and fear of what the present and future may hold. In life, how you think about the future is completely or will completely determine how you experience your present today. You have to find hope that doesn't die. Repeat that. If you're here today and you're looking for hope, you have to find hope where it doesn't die so that you can live today. So what's the Christian response? What's our response as Christ followers? If you're a Christ follower, what's your response at the core? of finding hope, the need for hope, is the message of the gospel. And the message of Christianity is not what you must do. I have to do this to get hope, or I have to do this. I have to get all my, my monies ready because one day I'm gonna retire, and, I, and that's, that shouldn't be our hope, right? Because it's nothing that we can do, but it's what Christ has already done that he died on the cross, rose again, and because he lives, you too shall live. Regardless of suffering of what happens to you around you right now, you can live today with assurance knowing that God has saved you. If you've put your faith and hope and trust in, in a living God, you know that he has saved you from darkness to life that you belong to him and that nothing, even death itself, cannot take you from the hand of God. Nothing can separate you from his love that was shown and demonstrated to you through Jesus Christ, his son. I don't know what kind of trials that you're experiencing or suffering today, but I want you to know this, that you've been given a new birth. If you put your faith and hope and trust in the living Savior, you've been giving a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our hope is not in a dead Jesus today. You know, when we, when we light the hope candle and when we go into this season, we, you know, we're not talking about a Jesus that once lived long ago and that's a nice tale. Those are some good moral things to, to know about Jesus. And then, oh, he was a nice uh, teacher, but no, 
Our Savior is not dead. Our hope is not in a dead Jesus. The apostle Paul said that if Christ has been raised, our preaching and our faith is useless if he had not been raised. But our hope is not in a dead Jesus. This is where Jesus over and over again in the scriptures, let me just share really quick rapid fire. His, this is where Jesus said in John 11, he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. If you believed in me, though you were dead, you'll live. John 14, Jesus says, because I live, you also will live. John 6, then Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and will never grow thirsty. John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 10, 10, I have come to give you life and to give it in the full. You and I must constantly be fixing our eyes on Jesus who sustains you today because if you don't, we start putting our hope in things that are not living. We start putting our things in, in, in our hope of things that will perish. John 16 says that I have told you these things. This is Jesus encouraging his disciples when he says, and, and you're in this, in this passage too where he says, I have told you these things so that in me you'll have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So Jesus not only gives us hope for uh, redeeming our past, but also gives us, through his saving grace, hope for today. Hope for tomorrow because he has overcome the world. You too can live. You too can live a life today in abundance. You too can live today a walking a life of newness. So that faith is is redeems us from our past, gives us hope for today, and also secures our future. You know, I'll never forget just a few weeks ago, some of you that, that know me um, know that I lost a sibling about a month ago, on October 20th. And I really needed to, I mean, I knew, I knew there's hope but I just needed to be reminded of God's hope. Um, my brother passed about a, a month ago, a little over a month ago of cancer and other complications. And in the midst of watching him suffering, I was encouraged by his great faith. Just watching him in great pain, a lot of suffering, I was being encouraged by him where he was in his state and then when he passed, we, I, I remember it very clearly, we were at the funeral home and um, this passage that I'm about to read to you um, was read. And I just needed to be reminded of the hope that is living today for you and for me. This is Jesus comforting his disciples. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me too. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. A living hope for today. That living hope sustains us today and will sustain you in your trial, in suffering. 
but also this hope of your salvation secures your future. That means the trials that you go through today are only temporary of what is to come. The wonderful inheritance that you've been given through Jesus Christ. I love this lyrics of, of maybe you've heard this song before. If you're a churchy and you kind of grew up in church, you probably know the, the lyrics of this song. But it's one of my favorite. Every time I hear this, this, this song, man, I just, I just I get so emotional. And the words of this, this song, this old hymn, is because he lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. And life is worth living just because he lives. So Christ has given us a living hope for, for today but also secures our future. Let's end with 1 Peter 3, 4. It says that you have been given an inheritance that can never perish, never spoil, never fade. This inheritance is kept for you in heaven. Our living hope as followers of Jesus Christ is that you've been given an inheritance that is imperishable, it doesn't spoil, it's unfading, and it's waiting for you in heaven. We have an inheritance that will never be touched by death. Cannot be snatched by death. You have an inheritance that cannot be stained or spoiled by any kind of evil. You have an inheritance that never fades with time. It's death proof. This living hope is sin proof. This inheritance is age proof. And God is guarding it and preserving this inheritance for you in heaven. It is wholly secure. And it's absolutely, and absolutely nothing can undermine the certainty of our future inheritance. So I want to leave you with these final thoughts. And we'll call it a, call it a day here. May you be encouraged in the Lord to remember where God has called you from. How he's called you from darkness into light, from death to now living. And now he has extended his mercy and grace to you by forgiving you of your sin and giving you a new life through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And if that's you today, tell someone. Tell someone of what God has done for you and where he's brought you. You know that brother that I was talking about, my brother Tom? I'll never forget um, in this past, in this time, we've been having memories about him. And I, I know one of the questions that I asked his children recently, um, I asked him, what was, what, was, what was your dad like? You know, he, he grew up, they grew up mostly in Chicago. And so I didn't get to see much of, he, he's much older than me. But I asked his, one of his children uh, some time ago, what was your dad like before when you all were growing up? And I'll never forget her answer. She says, we had some good times. You know, my, you know, my dad was, he was a good man, but there were times in his life where, where he was addicted to alcohol and drugs. And he was not a very nice man. You see, 20 years ago, he gave his life to Christ and he became a whole new person, 
whole new man. In fact, when my, my niece tells me, Ruben, I don't even know sometimes when I talk to my dad, I don't even know who this man is. Like, I can't believe I'm talking to the same man that I knew years ago in my childhood. That is the power of Christ to change and transform a life and a heart. Be encouraged today, church, that because he lives, you too can overcome even in your suffering. Let us remain confident in this, our future inheritance that is waiting for us in heaven and that is being prepared for you by God. And this suffering is only for a temporary time. I want to end with these two verses, Colossians 1. Paul is writing to the church in Coloss. He says, continue in the faith. And I want to tell this to you guys. Continue in the faith. Stay stable and steadfast without shifting from the hope of the gospel that you once heard. The gospel that saved you one day, that called you to himself, that, 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 that he, there was a gospel that saved you. Don't shift from that gospel. Hebrews 10 says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who has promised is faithful. And I believe that for you too, church, today, for us to continue to run with endurance, not grow weary in this life, not grow weary in your suffering, in your trials, but that you've been given a living hope, a new birth, and because of that, you too can live today with confidence, knowing that the trials and sufferings that we face today are only temporary. So one day we are going to reap a beautiful inheritance that is prepared for you and I by the living God. Would you stand with me? We can pray. Lord, thank you that your saving grace is there for us to remember at all times. I pray that today we wouldn't, be, we wouldn't forget where we've been called from and how you redeemed us from darkness into light. And because of that same saving grace, Lord, that we can now have hope, Lord, not a wishful thinking hope, Lord, but a hope of something that is sure to happen with great confidence. Lord, help us to, to be able to put our whole hope and trust in you now, Lord. Knowing that all good things, Lord, um, that all things work out for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose, Lord. So even in the midst of pain, trial, or suffering, Lord, we know and we trust in your word that all things work for the good of those who love you and that you use them for your glory, Lord. You take our pain, you take our suffering, and you encourage us, Lord. Help us today to see the example of Jesus and how he was able to overcome this life and how we can see his example that we too can overcome. Help us to be encouraged today too by the beautiful inheritance that we will be able to receive one day when we see you face to face. And that this life that we live today is only temporary. 
Help us to embrace and be thankful for every moment that we have to remember our salvation and how you've called us, Lord. And be thankful for all your goodness in our life. Help us not to forget. So I'm gonna ask if anyone wants to come forward, you can come forward. The altar is open if you wanna come and pray. Maybe you're experiencing um, a time where you need hope today. I wanna encourage you. There'll be some people here to pray with you. And Lord, would you encourage us now through your spirit? Would your spirit bring great comfort to your people today? It's in Jesus' name that I ask. Amen. Mm -hmm.